It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We welcome to the show a great friend, Senator John Hoven, Republican of the great state of North Dakota. Senator Hoven, thank you for doing this, by the way. Um, Merry Christmas. How about that? I'm going to be politically incorrect. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, uh, Larry, and Merry Christmas to all your listeners. I hope they have just a wonderful and blessed Christmas. Yes, thank you for that. What was not a blessing was this omnibus spending bill that once again was jammed through the Senate and then the House. I wanted to talk to you about that. I know you were opposed to it. Um, I don't... (laughs) Rand Paul said it first, I guess, on our show, on the TV show last week, uh, when he said Republicans, he was referring to the Senate, but Senate Republicans had given up the power of the purse and they were emasculating themselves. And I guess the question is, uh, you know, firstly, is he right? I mean, 18 Republicans, I think 18 Republicans voted for it, something like that. Why this have to happen? Why couldn't, for example, a GOP take in a tougher position in the Senate? Now, it's not you. It's really the leadership, uh, which is coming under criticism now. Um, why can't we go back to some kind of regular order? Why is it that we have a $1.7 trillion spending bill, which, by the way, uh, Senator, as you may know, uh, has nearly $100 billion in tax increases as the Trump tax cuts begin to expire? You know, why, why, why? No common sense American's going to like any of this. Well, that's it, Larry. I, you know, I made the argument and continue to make the argument. And obviously uh, I didn't prevail. But my point was we need to have the new House seated. We'll have a Republican majority. And then, uh, you know, we'll duke it out with the Democrats. And I think get a better product, less spending, get rid of some of these onerous provisions. And, uh, So your first point is right. We should get to regular order. But even still, regardless, uh, you know, I felt we we needed to fight to get a short-term continuing resolution that takes us into next year when we have a majority in the House, and then we fight this thing out uh, with the Democrats. And I think that's what the people wanted us to do and what we should have done. I mean, in some sense, you know, it was a betrayal of all those millions of Americans who voted for a Republican House. And yet, uh, again, the Senate leadership refused to acknowledge the benefits of the Republican House or to follow the path that you just outlined. You know, a CR taking us, I don't know, sometime to the middle of January and let them all get settled. It just seems so easy and so obvious to me. And it, it was a betrayal of those voters and it was a betrayal of the new Republican majority in the House. Well, I think that is the, like I said, I think that is the right plan. That is what we should have done. And I, and I think that's what people wanted us to do. I think that was the expectation. Okay, we wanted to win the Senate. We worked hard. We tried to win the Senate. We were terribly disappointed when we didn't get a majority in the Senate. But we did get a majority in the House, albeit a narrow majority. Nevertheless, a majority. So that gave us an opportunity to do just what we're talking about and try to get more leverage to reduce the spending. We've got to find ways to reform and reduce spending uh, to get uh, inflation under control. We just absolutely have to keep fighting to do that. Which was the Republican promise in the midterms. 
And that's another thing that hurts so much uh, because we we didn't get control of the spending. Let's let me ask you about the um, waiving the caps. There are spending caps in place, as you know, John, going all the way back to 2010. And if you if you don't abide by the spending caps, uh, meaning if you don't offset new spending with uh, new uh, uh, spending reductions, then you're in violation. The Senate keeps waiving these caps. It's a crazy system. It might have saved $130 billion. It might have saved $150 billion. And yet Rand Paul tries in his amendment and doesn't get very much support. Why, does it, why is it that no one seems to pay any attention to those caps? Well, and it's not just the caps. So the caps we should be able to use for leverage, right? Yes. But here's the reality, and, and you know this to be true. If we could just keep from spending more, if we could just hold the lid on spending, uh, our revenues are growing. You know, with the uh, Tax Cut and Jobs uh, Act, which we passed during the Trump administration, we saw with lower fair uh, tax system, which we worked very hard to put in place, we actually saw increased revenues. So the real key is if we could just not grow uh, the spending line. And if you look back and see, this is one of the things that I advocated for. Back in 2010, we had the same thing. We had a a narrow uh, Democrat majority in the House uh, with, excuse me, Republican majority in the House with Boehner. We Mm -hmm. had Harry Reid and a a Democrat majority in the Senate. And then we had a Democrat President Obama, excuse me, back in about 2011. And uh, that's when we got the Budget Control Act. And if you remember, for 10 years, we held the line on discretionary spending. And that's the kind of spending reform we've got to get in place. So that was one of my arguments. And this, this time, hey, you've got the same configuration as when we got that uh, Budget Control Act and got some spending reform and, and actually held the line on spending growth. And then revenues, of course, over time uh, will grow, and we cut down on that de- deficit. What's it, tell us more about the, um, about the Budget Control Act. Well, it was sequestration, if you'll remember, and there were two right. aspects to it. One was that it put a limit on how much spending could grow. So from, for the next 10 years, from 2011, pretty much until we got to almost up to COVID, we actually held the line on discretionary spending growth. Now, we still had a problem on the mandatory side, but that was the other thing in that agreement we got back in 2011. is We created what was, so, was called the Super Committee, if you remember that. And they were supposed to come up with reforms to entitlements. Now, they flamed out. They didn't get that done. And obviously, with Obamacare, you saw incredible growth in Medicaid, which is what's really driving our mandatory spending line. That's a huge issue. That's a big growth in in spending. Uh, But the point is, we actually, with the kind of configuration we got now, we got some spending reforms to control the growth of, of, of expenditures. And that's what we've got to do. Wow, I'd forgotten about that. I had forgotten about yeah. that. That's exactly right. Very important. What happened at the end in the Senate? Uh, Mike Lee's amendment uh, to extend Title 42 um, looked yeah. like it actually might pass. And then Schumer pulls uh, Manchin and Cinema aside, and uh, suddenly they change their votes at the last minute. What exactly happened there? Just exactly what you said. Yeah, yeah for, for about you know, a 10-minute stretch, uh, or, as Mike, or as Mike Lee said, for seven, seven glorious minutes, uh, you know, we had them. 
Uh, ah. We actually had a we had a majority, and we actually had a measure in place. We passed an amendment, added to the and this this is really significant. And you'll have to have Mike on your show. He can tell you about it in even more detail. But it's really significant for a couple of reasons. First, Larry, not only because it would have required that we keep Title 42 in place, which is huge, uh, but the other thing is it would have it would have stopped the omnibus because there's no way, had we been able to hold that amendment, there's no way the Democrats would have agreed to it in the Senate, let alone in the House. Mm-hmm. And if we could have held on that, I think we could have stopped the whole thing, which is why – of course, Schumer had to go, and he did just exactly what you said. Took him some time, but he flipped both, both Cinema and Mansion. That's how he got him to do it. Is he got them both to flip, and then we lost that amendment. But as you can see, that was a very, very significant thing, uh, and well crafted by Mike, um, because it not only would have kept 42 Title 42 in place, which we desperately need to do, and we also need to implement the uh, Remain in Mexico and. Uh, uh, third safe country policies that would stop the, the border flow right now and we need to do all three uh, but it would have actually uh, blown up the uh, bill and we'd had to do what we should have done which what, which you and i just talked about is put in place a short-term sierra and fight this thing out with a with a Repo- republican majority in the house so how many post offices in west virginia can be named after joe manch i thought robert bird had most of them I mean, what, what, is, what exactly did they get? Does anybody know? What did Cinema get? Right? The newest independent in the Senate folded on her first test? And what did they get for this? You know, I'm not sure they would have <laughs> flipped, uh, Larry, if it had, if, if it would. I mean, like I'm saying, it wasn't just getting Title 42, which we desperately need to do. And I hope the Supreme Court will help us out and, you know. Uh, you know, obviously not only that, more like I'm talking about. But um, what happened is they knew that would that would stop that omnibus, and that's that's why I think they actually flipped. Oh, you so it wasn't so much what they got; it was the logic that if this thing passed through, the omnibus will die in the House because the House would never ex- vote to extend the Democratic House would never vote to extend uh, Title Forty Two. That's I see. There was yep. so there might not have been any added pork. I mean, we don't know that, but we'll find out. But it was that logic you're saying that killed it. I think so. Yeah, I think so. So you're aware um, there's a big tax hike in this bill because the uh, R&D tax credit uh, will no longer be expensed 100% immediately. Plus, Senator, as you may know, the um, uh, immediate expensing for plant and equipment uh, goes down from 100% to 80%. Those things kind of slipped through, and nobody really talked about the tax hikes. There's also another provision in there that um, would have given corporations a break on their uh, interest expensing. That all dies, and um, really, Republicans find themselves, I mean, some Republicans find themselves backing a full-scale tax hike as part of this omnibus bill. That's another reason why this is not – you talked about at the beginning, getting back to regular order, why it's so important we do that. Somehow I'm hopeful that with the House we can force that. Obviously, Democrats prefer an omnibus. We've got to get back to that regular order and find ways to enforce doing that so we don't have – not just the issues you mentioned, but, but many others when you get a, a big uh, bill like that. The other thing is, is why it's so critically important – that we find out how to get House 
Republicans and Senate Republicans working together mm. so we not only are doing a better job, but people perceive it and we get a majority in this next election, both in the Senate and, of course, win the White House, so we can make sure that we don't see these tax increases over the longer term. When was the last time the Senate actually went through regular order with a budget resolution, with 12 appropriation uh, bills, you know, with hearings for each of these appropriation bills, the way we used to do it, but haven't in a long time? I mean, I can't remember the last time the Senate actually went through this exercise. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think the closest we got was back in 2011, in that 2011-2012 range, when I told you we set up that uh, mm-hmm. Budget Control Act and God's spending report. I'd have to go back. And even then, I'm not sure we got through it fully. Since then, we have gone through and gotten all the appropriation bills moved through committee, but they always get blocked on the floor, primarily because Senate Democrats want to hold up uh, labor age, which is all, uh, you know, most of the social spending. And they hold that up against the military funding, which is, of course, what Republicans want. And 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 they use that to, to stop the regular order process. Well, what's your outlook on this now? Uh, everybody's gone home with Christmas weekend, New Year's and so forth. <laughs> what happens next? I mean, is it will we go work on a fiscal 2024 budget? Is that where the House and presumably they will have some regular order and go through the appropriation bills, or people will talk about new spending caps, or what's your outlook on this? Because, you know, the GOP is going to lose more ground if we don't deliver uh, on spending restraint. Spending, we've learned, is inflationary. Uh, We've got to deliver, it seems to me, on opening up the oil and gas spigots. We've got to deliver on lower taxes and so forth. I mean, what happens now? Yeah, well, I think you're right. I think first order of business on the the whole funding side of the equation is the House has to get going on the uh, regular order process, individual appropriations bills. And then we have to figure out how we can do everything we can to put pressure on Senate Democrats uh, to work with not only Senate Republicans, but House passed bills to go through regular order. And that's going to be a challenge. We're already talking. uh, McCarthy came over. We've already talked to him. How do we do this? How do we force regular order? That's, I mean, that's a big task, but that's a, yeah, one of the first orders of business. But then you bring up some other points. goes back to what you said earlier in regard to Rand Paul, power of the purse. How do we use the power of the purse to enforce some kind of border security? How Mm. do we use it to knock back this uh, this uh, new Green Deal agenda that is impeding our ability to be back to not only energy independent, but energy dominant. How do we do those things? And it is going to mean working with the House. We've got to figure out how to do more there. Because as you say, we've got to show uh, Republicans across this country they need to turn out and get majorities, not just in the House again, but in the Senate and the White House to get these things done like you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I've talked about this. Um, uh, Kim Strassel, the Wall Street Journal, has been writing about this. Uh, because of events like this omnibus bill, it really undermines, I mean, why, sh- why should donors donate? Why should voters vote when the promises of spending restraint uh, and so forth are never kept? I mean, I, that to me is where some long-run damage has taken place as a result of this uh, omnibus bill. That, that's, you know, that's a killer, John. 
What do we what what do Republicans believe? Why are they different than Democrats? Well, and that's exactly right. And that, and that's one of the points that I, I tried to get across when we were talking earlier here in this interview, but also to our caucus. And that is, hey, look, we not only have to fight the fight, people have to believe that we're out there fighting the fight. And that is absolutely not what's going on with this omnibus. We have got to find a way to sync up with the House and go after it. We'll see. You know, I mean, obviously, the Democrats still have a majority in the Senate and, and the White House, but we've got to fight. And this was a chance where uh, that we needed to do it and, and hopefully not only get a better result, but, but show people that we're fighting for the things that, that we believe are important. When McCarthy went over to the policy lunch on Wednesday, I mean, what happened? How was he treated? What was the atmosphere like? Well, it was fine. Um, he made it. Excuse me. Uh, he made it clear that he, uh, you know, wanted a, a short-term CR so that he could get into the uh, spending battle uh, with us against Democrats. Uh, but you know, so he did make that clear. Uh, but beyond that, um, you know, it, it was good. And and uh, you know, we talked about a variety of things, including how we get to regular order. And I would tell you that you know, there there is a very strong feeling, and uh, I believe. Uh, among Senate Republicans, that that uh, we want to see Senator or, uh, Speaker McCarthy get that position, get the Speaker mm-hmm. position, get in there and get going and work with him. So, you think is there going to be a change in attitude in the Senate leadership? I mean, so many people are so disappointed in uh, Senator McConnell, and I'm not here to bash Senator McConnell into the ground because down through the years uh, he's been a conservative. Uh, he's done well. We all talk about how he piloted the judges through. Um, but on the whole, he's been more or less of a supply-side guy. But uh, some people are saying the GOP in the Senate uh, can't do what they need to do as long as Mitch McConnell is the leader. You have a thought on that? I know I'm treading here. I, I'm not, I, I don't want to bash the guy, but maybe he's just, you know, his time has come and gone. His arguments were twofold. One, one was that we that there was more money in this uh, in this bill that for the military, and that was that's very important. Uh, and that was one of his points. And the other was that he felt that for uh, McCarthy coming in to have to try to put together last year's funding bill instead of working forward on next year's funding bill would just make it harder for him, and that you know he would be in a situation where he would end up with a worse result because he couldn't. Uh, you know, he'd have to get some Democrats in order to pass a funding bill. Uh, and so those were the two arguments that I think uh, mm-hmm. Senator McConnell was convinced were were the reasons that he pushed to go forward. As I as I've said to you, my argument is no, I, I think I think this is one where we need to step up mm-hmm. and work with the House and fight it out and see if we can't get a better result. So yeah. uh, the clearly, clearly difference of opinion in the in you know, how this one should have been handled. All right. Senator John Hoban, thank you for everything. Thanks for all you do. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We'll talk when the new year comes around. Thanks again. Appreciate it. folks. Thanks, Larry. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Folks, I'm Cudlow. We're going to take a quick break, and I'm going to come back and sort of cap this off. Please stick around. The Larry Cudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. I just want to put a cap on the John Hoban interview. Hoban's a very, very smart guy, a very strong 
free market conservative. Uh, I, I mean, I really think that Senate GOP senators have got to go through some self-examination here because there's no reason why they could not have fought this thing through with a CR and given the play over to McCarthy in the new Republican House. And I think this is going to be a big issue in the new year as people, uh, you know, reorganize and take a look at what's happened and go through the budget process again. The Republican Party has got to stand for lower taxes and lower spending and fewer regulations and more oil and gas. And they have got to be much more confrontational and learn to say no and fight the Democrats. Anyway, we're going to talk about Title 42 on the other side of the break. Please stick around. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 